Hello, and welcome to Message in the Middle with Marianne. We all know that life is hard, right? It's messy, it's unpredictable, but it can be wonderful all at the same time. My hope is that we can take a deep dive into self-development topics and explore life's lessons through book clubs, conversations, and interviews. And together, we can uncover the lessons that others have already learned to help us navigate this crazy, wonderful ride called life. Hello and welcome to Message in the Middle with Marianne and today with my guest, Andrea Libros. Over the last few decades, Andrea has started three successful businesses and ultimately became a certified business and life coach at the same time as being a wife and mother to her two children. Andrea is known for helping bold, ambitious women create success in both life and business by combining just two ingredients, the right mindset and solid systems. Hold that thought, everybody, for a minute, and we'll come back to it. But first, I want to thank Andrea for being with us and ask her to give us a little background on her story and how she got into this work. Yes. Thanks for having me, Marianne. Um, So the story goes, well, there's lots of stories, but here's one story. (laughs) I want the real story. (laughs) The real story. Okay. So the real story is that I have a degree in psychology and a master's in communication disorders. And I went to Dartmouth in New Hampshire, near where you are. And then I got married. Uh, My husband is a physician. He went through residency. We got through residency. We moved and we moved to Indianapolis, Indiana, where I know no one or knew no one, knew no one (laughs) back in 2000. And I realized at that point that I had to kind of create my own way. I had to figure it out because no one was really there guiding me. And we quickly had some kids and I stayed home with my kids for the first few years. And then I also realized that that wasn't going to be for me. And again, I had to kind of like create my own way and figure it out. And I started working for a company that sold clothing directly to customers. It wasn't a party method and there was no store. It was really independent contractors setting up their own shops wherever they wanted to and inviting women in to by appointment to purchase clothing every season. It was kind of like a personal clothing concierge type of situation. So when I thought, oh, this is perfect. It's part time. I can do everything else. I can still be a mom. My husband was like really unreliable at that point in a good way. <laughs> I couldn't rely on him for anything. <laughs> do I need to edit that out? <laughs> No, you don't need to know that. He, he, would, he would admit that, I think. Or he liked to be unreliable. Maybe that's a better way to put it. So he liked to be unreliable. And I worked for this company for about 10 years. But as time went on, I took on more of a corporate role. So I started recruiting, hiring, and then training new business owners, new entrepreneurs to do what I had done. And that's kind of how I got to where I am today. Because what was really going on when I kind of took a step back to look at it, what was really going on is that I was coaching them through when the going got rough and it started started not being so fun. And a lot of women were doing this to, some were doing it as a side hustle, but a lot of them were doing it with the intention, and it actually did come true, of making multiple six figures. So this was actually real, but they had to sort of figure out how to integrate it into their life. And that was how 
really I started coaching, helping them do what they wanted to do, do it for themselves, not for anyone else, even though a lot of women kind of got into it thinking they were going to prove something in a sense. And if they were going to create, scale their business, they also, once they got into it, had to start making some tough decisions. And doing that by themselves was hard. Like it was just, it's just hard to do that, to be an entrepreneur and to create that momentum for yourself. And you kind of, I like to say you get stuck in the middle. <laughs> you get stuck kind of in the peanut butter jar. You're in your own peanut butter jar. The messy middle. Yeah. And you can't read the label. So I loved, even though I didn't realize it at the time, that's the part I really loved, like helping, helping them. And when I had had enough of working for that company, which now is bankrupt, and I thought, okay, what's next? I hired a coach, my first coach ever, and she kind of teased this out for me. She had to ask me some really good questions for me to figure this out. And then she looked at me and I'll never forget it because we were sitting there and she had a big whiteboard and in the bottom corner, she wrote in these little letters, I think like as a reminder to herself, coach. She said, you should start your own coaching business. And I was like, I am not starting another business. I am not doing that. Okay. So I paused and I reflected for a couple months really. And then I decided maybe this is what I want to do. And that's kind of how this current business I'm in evolved and and started and really now has grown into, I'm kind of not coaching exactly the same person I was the first, but it, you know, there's still traces of that. So that's a story. How's that? I like it. What's interesting to me, and I always ask that question, especially there's a common theme with a lot of the coaching because... Well, first of all, two themes. There's always a windy path. Yeah. Everyone has a windy path, no direct right. route, right? And the other thing is, so, you know, I'll just put it out there. I've, I've said it before. So anyone listening has heard me like, the, there's some controversy out there in, in the world of coaching, right? Because everybody's a coach. Yeah. But the interesting part is what I keep hearing from some people is a lot of the, the coaches that are really successful today they were coaching before coaching was a thing, yes, right? They, yes. It's just who they are innately, yes. who they are. And so that's so true. So that's just an interesting aside, certainly not while we're here, but I, I like to have that sort of connection of, of why. I think that's really, that's a, that's a great observation. And I think it's really true. And once I started this business, you know, so many people said to me, that's perfect. That's exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. So yeah. The writing's always there. Yeah. Yeah. And we somehow, again, another theme that I, I sort of am exploring as I talk to people is we find ourselves, we come into ourselves somehow, uh -huh. we, again, the windy road, but we always land. And even like, you know, from my own testimony, you can look back and look back to your childhood and I guarantee you, you will find connecting dots. Yeah. One of the, one of re a really good exercise for your listeners to do is to look at their lives in five-year increments. Okay. So like zero, ages zero to five, five to 10. And write down, and you don't do this in your head because it won't be as effective, but write down what you remember from those time periods that you loved and what you hated. Okay. So if I, and I did that as I was trying to explore kind of what to do next. And really the common thread, you know, first I thought there's going to be no common thread, but the common thread was really what I loved was kind of communicating and guiding people through challenges. Like even in like middle school, I can think about that. I don't know. I mean, I was also like, I did a lot of performing and I, I was on the radio in college, you know, so all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a really interesting thing to do. I mean, that's so fun, right? Just connecting all those pieces. And I want people to know a little bit about you. 
But as you know, and just to remind anyone listening, is that, you know, I was, I set out to do this series specifically around as we're rolling into the holidays and thinking about the stress that comes along with that and the to-do lists and the, the family obligations and the calendars get suddenly really booked out and it can start to get overwhelming, yeah. stressful, yeah. anxious. Lots of words. All, yeah, all the words, right? Mm-hmm. So... On that note, I want to talk a little bit about another word, which is the feeling of overwhelm. Feeling overwhelmed, like I have all this stuff going on and I have my normal, whether that be a wife or a parent or taking care of my parents or taking care of my children and my job and blah, 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 all the things. Yes. So All the things. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how we can help anyone listening to us sort of frame up a different perspective around overwhelm or any techniques to sort of manage through that. Yeah, I love this topic. This is one of my favorites. <laughs> um, and I think, okay, so first I want to frame it as when we start to feel overwhelmed or stressed or frustrated, they're all kind of friends, anxiety, all those words are sort of friends. We start to feel unproductive. Mm. Okay, we start to feel like we can't get anything done, whether it's wrapping presents or making decisions about what you're serving for dinner, or, you know, you still have, hey, that work, like that work thing on the side or whatever that is, we start to start to feel unproductive. And we don't really know, like, why can't you, why can't I just get my act together? Like, what's my problem? This isn't my first rodeo. Like, this isn't my first holiday season, for example. So one thing I always like to do is help my clients figure out what's their productivity archetype or like what's their reason that they're feeling this way? Like how, why are they not, why do they feel so stuck or stressed? So if you can identify that, then we can kind of move into how to move out of it. So a tool to do that, to first figure out where you are, I always like to say it's like your GPS, it has to locate you first. It's like when you put the GPS on, you know, you are here, right? Moving from your current location. So I have a quiz that you can figure that out at. So I'm sure Marianne's going to put the link in the show notes, but it's called revealtheroot.com. So it's like revealing the root of what's keeping you stuck and helping you figure out what your, I call it, productivity archetype is. All right. So you figure that out. Now I want you to think about what I like to call stuck stress. Okay. So stuck stress is caused by the overwhelm. Right. And it really feels like, well, it's very much worrying about what might happen. Mm. Okay. What if this doesn't work out? What if someone's sad that they don't like the present they got? What if, you know, it snows and no one can come? I'm just talking about holidays because you're mentioning that. Right. It's all future focused. Okay. So I call it worrying ahead of time. Yes. All right. And when you're worrying ahead of time, or you're in stuck stress, you really can't access like your genius brain, okay? And it feels unbearable and you just want it to end. You want to like solve it. You want to, you know, call all the people and tell them you need help or yell at your spouse and say, don't you see that I'm just running around like this? Like, and you're just watching football. That's a good one. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Right. So it feels unbearable. And it also kind of grows in intensity, like day by day, and you start to feel it in your body. And you also cannot become a rational problem solver. This is when, a famous thing in my 
household when I was growing up, my dad used to say to my mom's in tizzy time. He called it tizzy time. Like she was kind of like running around, you know, nothing seemed logical, like yelling at everyone. I hope I'm not doing that, but maybe I am. So you start to become illogical a little bit and then you start to blame everybody else right? So why does this happen? I think there's three reasons. Number one is you're stuck in the busy. Okay. So I call it like you're wearing your busy badge. Hello, my name is busy. Not hello, my name is Andrea. It says, hello, my name is busy. Okay. So you're wearing your busy badge and it kind of feels a little safe because this is what's supposed to happen during this time of year. Like you're supposed to be busy. Okay. So your brain's like, well, I mean, this is the norm. So why don't we just roll with it? So number one is you're stuck in the busy. The second reason that you're in stuck stress is that you are giving yourself too much time, okay? So if we talk about holidays, it's like you have until December 25th, or if we're talking about like in a work situation, you know, you have till the end of the month to finish the project. So you give yourself too much time and that actually creates some overwhelm and some stuck stress. And then really the third reason that you're stuck in stuck stress is that you're kind of scared of being uncomfortable. And what I mean by that is like you're scared of making a decision in a sense. Like, should I do this or should I do that? I mean, it's, I don't know, because I'm worried that if I do A, then it will be the wrong thing. And if I'm worried if I do B, it'll be the wrong thing. So you're scared of those uncomfortable feelings, really. So those are like three reasons that you're in stuck stress. And stress can good up until a point. There's like a tipping point and it reaches kind of the law of diminishing returns, like preparing for to be on this podcast. Okay. So I could have spent all day long stewing about it, worrying about my microphone, figuring out what I was going to say. I could have kind of gone to a place where it was ridiculous, like the preparation was ridiculous, and it wasn't going to make this go any smoother. So there is a point where there's a tipping point. And what I like to say is before you reach that tipping point where it's not helpful, you need to switch into progressive or progress stress. Progress stress, it looks a lot different. Progress stress is really current problem focused. It is not future problem focused. It's intense, but it's tolerable. And it kind of diminishes as we take action, not intensifies. It it lessens as we start to do things. And it does, if we're in progress stress, it really helps us access what I call our genius brain. Okay. So we can make logical decisions. And it also fosters a sense of determination and commitment and motivation and curiosity and courage, not overwhelm. And all of that is very useful. It's actually helpful, right? So once we get ourselves out of that overwhelm, I call it overcoming overwhelm, and we move into progress stress, because like stress is a real thing. We're not going to like eliminate it. You actually start to make some progress. It increases your productivity. So going back to like what productivity type are you? You actually start to figure out what's the best method for you. Where do you, how do you best get things done? You become solution focused and you also start to rip off the busy badge. Mm. You start to give yourself some deadlines maybe and actually honor your calendar. Not just say like, oh, it would be nice if I got this done. You actually honored what you set out to do and you did it. And you also start to kind of what I call eat the frog, which is 
get that uncomfortable thing done first. So you can't really do any of that if you're in stuck stress. You've got to get over the hump and get to progression or progress stress or productive stress, whatever, however you want to call it. So stuck stress, I'm thinking, is also a synonym for times where we procrastinate, right? Yes. Yes. So, yes. So I get the desire to go from being stuck there and just spinning our wheels or getting nothing done Mm -hmm. to a place of actual action. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest, though, for people that find it hard? Like, I know with some people when they're, the more overwhelmed they feel, the more they procrastinate, which sort of seems counterintuitive. Right. But yet it happens for a lot of people. Like, their list is longer, so I'll do nothing. Exactly. (laughs) Or like, I'll do the easy, easy, easy things, not the stuff that's really going to move the needle, right? Yes. So I think what's interesting, and I was at a client today and she said to me, I've realized two things. So I was doing some coaching on this call. She said, I've realized two things in the last 30 minutes. I overthink everything Hmm. and I'm really getting in my own way, which is kind of another way to say overthinking things. So we like to think that we just... If you hear yourself saying that just word, you're on the wrong track, I'll tell you. I just have to focus. Like, so simple. I just have to focus, and then I'll get it done, okay? Or I I just have to have five hours by myself, and I'll finish everything, okay? So you're really kind of skipping to the action line, in a sense. Like, you think you have to do something, which you do eventually. But where that, what I suggest is that you kind of analyze what you're thinking, And your thoughts are really what drive how you feel, which is either overwhelmed or calm, cool, and collected. And then how you feel drives your action. So we like to go right to the action, like, what do I need to do? But I want you to kind of step back and say, hmm, are my thoughts about how many things I have on my list, is that really useful? Is that really serving me? Is it helping me to think that I have 20 things I need to do? Probably not. Now, it's It sounds good. It sounds very noble, too. Very noble. Like, I have so much to do. I got lots of things on my list. Sounds very, you know. Busy badge-ish. Yes. Busy badge-ish. Like, oh, she's so busy. I didn't want to to bother you because I know you're so busy, right? Sounds great. But it's not serving you. It is not useful. And, you know, look at your list. Okay, there are 20 things. I have 20 things on my list, and that's okay. I'm going to, I know how to get them done. If you add that, and that's okay, phase on to the end of pretty much any thought, it's going to neutralize it and it's going to move you to a place of, I call like the three C's, calm, cool, and collected, and maybe four, confident. And you're actually going to then take the actions to move things forward. Thoughts like, I have 20 things on my list, OMG. That's going to just create procrastination. But if you say, I have 20 things on my list and that is okay. And I might have 20 things on my list tomorrow and that's okay too. And I'm going to just get to it. Like that's it. You just alluded to something I wanted to ask you about because often the list is never ending. It is. Yes. And so getting the right frame of mind around, you might not complete the list, I guess, ever. You might not. 
You might not. So I, mean, I have a list. Do you have a list? Not on paper, but in my head, I always have a gazillion lists. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I don't ever finish them, right? You just you just take things off them right. and they keep going and growing. Right. So I like to say, yes, the li- there's very practical ways to go about this too. Like I have so many techniques that I, you know, I teach people like to use an Eisenhower matrix. Go Google that if you don't know what that is, which is really helping you decide what you should be doing, planning, delegating, and eliminating, right? I mean, I teach my clients how to schedule their day in a way in which they're going to honor it and what's on their day aligns with their goals. But if we want to talk in more of like a more of a mindset type framework, if you keep thinking that you're never, ever going to get through this list, what you're really doing is creating what I call dirty pain. So dirty pain is caused by your thoughts and only your thoughts. It's all made up by you and it feels heavy and it's messy. I want you to picture like glitter. Okay, you know how like you can never get rid of glitter or sand. Actually, that's another great one like from the beach. It's like everywhere. It's stuck to you. Okay, you feel dirty and you can never get it off you. It's just this list is like hanging on to you, okay? It's really dirty pain and it is not serving you. Clean pain, on the other hand, might be you saying, okay, I have 20 things on this list and that's okay. I'm going to get through them. Still doesn't feel great. Like I'm not saying you should go to like an excited and amazing feeling, okay? But it's clean pain in the sense that it's just based on some facts. Like, yep, there are 20 things on the list. If you think about it, like if you go, this is kind of a gross analogy, but when you cut yourself, okay, it's like clean pain, right? You're supposed to be in pain. If you, if on the other end of the spectrum, if you're grieving the loss of a loved one, it's clean pain. Like, yes, of course you're feeling that. But if you're, if you're in pain or in overwhelm or frustration because you have 20 things on your list, I mean, come on, like you created that whole thing and the whole way you want to, how you're thinking about it. That's not clean pain. That is dirty pain. And if you analyze what you're thinking that's creating the procrastination and that's creating the overwhelm and it's creating the stuck stress, all that is really like dirty pain. It's really just being aware. Yeah. I guess becoming self more, yeah. more self-aware, yeah. right? Because you have to notice it in the moment and then kind of call it out and see how you can shift your perspective. Yeah. I call it like you have to eavesdrop on your thoughts. Mm, I like that. You have to kind of eavesdrop on your thoughts. And a great way to do that is I say do like a thought download. Okay. So it's like you're downloading a PDF, you know, on your computer. Download all your thoughts. This is not journaling, by the way. I'm not like Joe Journal because people are like, I don't like journaling. This is really just like, what are all the sentences in your head? Put them on paper. Don't keep them in your head because if you keep them in your head, you're going to spin around them. But put them on paper. I sometimes say, put your timer on your phone for like four minutes. Just spend four minutes downloading all your thoughts. Now you can really eavesdrop on them and kind of be on to yourself. Is this really true? Is this really, really, really true? Like someone said today in this call I was on, she said, I just can't get anything done because I've been interrupted a hundred times. And I said, okay, were you really, is it true? Were you interrupted a hundred times? 
Well, no, I probably was only interrupted twice over the span of the afternoon. (laughs) Okay. And I said, and did you get nothing done? Well, no, I got a lot. I got some things done. Question your thoughts. Are they really true? A lot of times they're not really true, but you're not going to know that until you eavesdrop on your brain and say, oh, okay. You know, once I once I kind of called her out on it, she's like, okay, all right. This isn't serving me thinking I can't get anything done because I was interrupted a hundred times. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny too. I can see like sort of making fun of yourself after you start really looking yes. at those thoughts, right? Because yes. you're like, wait, am I really entertaining this idea, right? Yeah. I like yeah. that idea. And I do like the idea of this, I don't know, stream of conscious of just dumping what you're thinking, dump it out on paper. Dump it out. Dump it out. Well, it made me wonder, Yeah. as an aside, I know we have some folks that listen that struggle with shutting off their mind and racing thoughts and just, yeah. so it made me kind of wonder if it could be a tool for that too. Like if you empty it, like it sounds silly, but if you keep emptying your thoughts out, does it then stop from that constant circle or does it just get replaced again? We have 60,000, at least 60,000 thoughts a day. Okay. That's like a fact if you go Google it. And I think that what happens if we don't, I I picture that dumping out is like a place to park your thoughts. So if you're like, if you know, most of the major cities in the U.S., they have highways that really go around them like a whole beltway, right? So I live in Indianapolis. It's 465. It's like a big loop goes around the city. I like to picture that the thought download is like you've got off on an exit ramp and you parked in the parking lot and you dumped out everything. But if you picture this highway with all the exit ramps closed, not being able to get off, not being able to park your thoughts, it's like you continue to spin. Yeah. You continue to spin. So you've got to have like a place to park them. And another interesting twist on this is that we think that we, like a thought, you might say, okay, I'm thinking, what should I do tomorrow? Okay. you're. At, it's a question you're asking yourself. Will this work? I challenge my clients to flip any question into a statement because what you're really thinking is this won't work or I'm not sure what to do tomorrow. It's not a question. Like flip it into a statement, a sentence, like go back to your fourth grade grammar, you know, with the period at the end. And that is what you're really thinking. We like to, questions, again, sound super noble. Like you're trying to discover stuff. You're just on the quest to search for the answer. But really what's happening is that it's just what your thought is flipped around into like a more noble way of expressing it, we think, in a question. So I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure this will work. Where can I find time? I mean, flip all of those into just statements and you really then eavesdrop on your brain. And then it goes back to questioning if it's really true. So right, I'm not going to have time. How do I find time? Turns into I don't have time. Turns into do I really not have time? Right? Something like that. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Or if you're worrying about someone else, okay, which is a lot of times what we're doing, or something else, like, will my son get a 90% on his test? Like, you're worrying about that, okay? Your thought is, I am not sure he will get a 90% on his test. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, do I have any control over him getting a 90% on his test? No, right? So then you can kind of shut yourself down, like, not worth my energy right now. I can still be concerned and compassionate, but this isn't really 
helping me. It's not serving me. It's taking up space in my brain. A lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, they take up a lot of space in their brain worrying about things that they have zero control over. Yeah. But again, it goes back to being aware of those thoughts and cutting them off when we recognize we don't have control over them, which is hard, right? But I guess, I I mean, it's a practice. It is. It's It's a practice. It's also like, you know, that analogy of you're stuck in your own peanut butter jar. And a lot of times you don't even see yourself spinning. Yes. Right. And you need, you know, like you need someone to read the label and you can start to read your own label once you dump everything out, but you can't read the label or you can't get out of the peanut butter jar when it's all just in your head. Yeah. I'm no different. I have to do this too. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. What do you suggest to people? This is a little bit of a a sidetrack, but what do you suggest to people that as I'm thinking about all the different things that sort of make people anxious or stressed out about the holidays? I think often there's relationships and boundaries and Mm -hmm. all that kind of, again, stuff that doesn't make people feel good to think about having to do and to manage. Do you have any thoughts on that? I do. I do. I just recorded my own, like I have my own podcast. And I literally just recorded an episode that's going to go out in November. Um, And I don't know exactly what the title is. I forget. But it's something like you are all you need. Okay. So you get to control how you want to feel. And I brought up a lot of holiday examples. Like it is really not necessarily about the boundaries. You get to decide how you want to show up and how you want to interact and how you, if you want to be angry or you want to be annoyed, or you want to be frustrated. Yep, those are all options. Or you can kind of say, I like to say two really good things to go to, or how can I be compassionate? Or how can I be curious? Hmm. Like, it's really interesting that Uncle Johnny wants to stay at our house for four days over Thanksgiving, when really, like, I didn't invite him for four days. This is Super interesting. Be curious. Huh. Wonder what he's thinking. It's a way better way to manage your thoughts around it than to get annoyed. All right. So that's kind of like number one, approach things from the aspect of we can't control them. So all you got is you. You get to decide how you want to show up. You get to decide how you want to feel based on your thoughts. And if you're struggling with how should you feel, compassion and curiosity are two great ones. The other thing thing to think about with boundaries, because you brought up boundaries, I like to kind of flip boundaries a little bit and think about them in terms of we all have a manual, like a handbook about how we think things should go down. It's like when you buy your new vacuum cleaner, it comes with a manual, which is really usually very long and dense. But that manual is specific to that vacuum cleaner. So we all have manuals about how we think other people should act or what they should do, or what this should look like. You know, it should look like the cranberry sauce is on the right side of the turkey, okay? I have a manual about how that should look. My husband, he has a different manual. Even if we've been married for like 27 years, he has a different manual of how he thinks it should go down. So when we start to have boundary conflicts, a lot of that really is just because we have two different manuals. Our expectations are different. So sometimes I like to just say, okay, 
So you think Uncle Johnny should stay for four days, and I think Uncle Johnny should stay for one day. We have an agreement on that. Like we have two different thoughts, two different manuals about what a visit should look like. Yes. So I kind of like, it's like he gets kind of annoyed with me, but in the end, it's good. I Like, what are the facts? This is what you think. This is what I think. Okay, great. No one's right and no one's wrong. Now all we have to do is decide how we're going to move forward, right? So do we need to combine our manuals here for this situation? Do we need to rewrite the manual? Do we need to have a family manual or a couple's manual or whatever it is, whatever that looks like? But conflict is really, it only turns to conflict if you can't identify what you're disagreeing about or boundary issues really only occur when you both have different expectations. So the manual concept is really powerful. I like it. I like it a lot because even even just, yes, I'm using just, even just to have that as a sort of visual. It is. Right? Mm. It's a good visual to have pop in your head when you start, you know, getting, I'm going to say anxious again about having a conversation about, you know, what time we do X, Y, and Z or who's coming to X, Y, and Z. If you just, as soon as you start feeling yourself sort of tense up, I think just, I can imagine picturing that manual and going, well, they're just, they're coming from a different place. Right, right. And, And so I think it will sort of diffuse that. It will. It will. Like early on in our marriage, so I'm Catholic and my husband's Jewish. So that was a whole other scenario, right? So we had all the holidays going on. Yeah. I like to say, if you have a holiday, you come on over and we will <laughs> celebrate. But I grew I grew up and my manual for a holiday was like, we go to a Christmas concert and we have a big meal on Christmas Eve and we all decorate the tree together, like with smiley faces. Oh, you're my Hallmark girl. <laughs> right? But he, he didn't even have a manual for how that should go. Okay. He didn't even like, he, he didn't, it wasn't even written. It just had like one page. So that's the other thing. And the, I expected him to be like a mind reader mm. too. I really expected him to somehow like get what I was thinking somehow. And he's not a mind reader. And he doesn't even have a manual. I like to say being honest is kind. Mm. So you have to start to be honest and say, hey, this is, these are some of the things that I would like to do this month. I would love for you to join me. If you don't want to join me, fine. I'll just, you know, like he doesn't like going to Christmas concerts. So I, my friend Mary loves going. So we always go. Like I just figured out how I was going to solve that on my own. Right. So that's another thing. Like, do they even have a manual? Is this even important to them? Because things that are important to you might not be important to them. I'm trying to think about that in terms of a parent as well. I know a lot a lot of people yeah. that struggle with the relationships of parents and that whole, you know, your core family together and everybody taking their roles, if you will, and they kind of struggle mm-hmm. with falling back into that. And so it's an interesting concept because I think back to a couple things like being honest about what you're thinking, what you would like to see happen and having Mm -hmm. like an open, honest dialogue versus kind of stewing about something. Yes. (laughs) That's good stuff. And then trying to keep that perspective that they have a different manual. Even if they grew up in the same household, I guess they still have a different manual, right? Because they have some different experiences. They have a different personality. So yeah, I I really think that that visual for me would diffuse the situation. Yeah. And I think if you're as an adult child, 
Okay. Like sometimes I feel like my parents still think I'm 12. Of course. Right. But that's their manual. Yeah. Like they were the parent and I was the 12 year old. Yeah. So of course. And then on the, on the flip side, I have a manual for when my kids come home from college, like this is, we're all supposed to be making, you know, gingerbread cookies. Like, no, they're not interested. Right. <laughs> right. So I have a manual of how I want to, like what my role as a mom is to say like college kids and they, they don't have the same manual. <laughs> yeah. That's a definite one. A, a key there is learning not to take stuff personally because it's not about you, right? It's about them and their experience of wanting to have fun with their yeah. friends or whatever no. the scenario is. But it's definitely not about not wanting to be with mom. Yes. As a mom of grown children, that was a hard one for me is learning to not take things personally. Like it's not always about us. Exactly. Exactly. You're so right. And that's a good thing to try to remember too, is to remember to take yourself out of the middle of the story. Cause we're not, it's not always no. about us. So take yourself out of it and look at it more objectively. Yes. We insert ourselves as the, you know, the main character in the story. Yes. And yes. We're not the main character in the story. We're kind of just like on the sidelines. We're the supporting actors and actresses, right? Yeah. So that, the, the other thing to think about too, we're talking about stories is that we make up stories right? So manuals can also be interpreted as stories. Like this is the story of how the holidays work in our household. You know, no, it's just a story. It's a bunch of thoughts that we've put together. None of it is factual. Yeah. I was going to tie that back to what you said originally, because it all ties together is take those stories and look at them objectively and say, well, is that really yeah. true? Do I have to go to a concert to make Christmas be right. fun? Or do I have to cook prime rib or yes. whatever the scenario, right? Well, it's, and they, the stories create stress. Yes. It cre creates stuck stress, if you want to bring it full circle. The stories really create stuck stress. Yes. It is a rare story that creates productive stress or progression stress. It's It's not happening, right? Unless you are eavesdropping in on what you're thinking about and consciously choose to move, to rip off your busy badge and to move in the direction of like where you want to go. A question I ask is like, how do you want to show up? Like, how do you want to show up for your adult kids? How do you want to show up for your parents? How do you want to show up for your spouse? Like, how do you just want to show up in general? So that goes for all things in life, work, family, you know, whatever. So you get to decide how you show up and you can be compassionate and curious and kind of moving things forward. Or you can be, you know, woe is me. I'm never going to get everything done. This is all overwhelming. No one's being nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to me how all of these things always all tie together, right? I mean, we just sort of went full circle. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think all of the areas in our life, yes, we're, we're talking about the holidays, but ties into everything. Anybody working on trying to sort of become that next level and level up in their life, mm -hmm. it's this mindset work. It's everything. It's just it really understanding the stories that we have, where they derive from, which ones are true and we want to hold on to, and which mm -hmm. ones aren't serving us anymore. Mm -hmm. All of it ties together. It's, it's true. Like memories are really just your own thoughts today about the past. Like your memories are really about what you think today, which is another interesting thing to think about because a lot of holiday times, you know, we bring up memories, right? Yeah. And I like to say like, who are you becoming? 
Like, what's the next version of you? You said, like, level up. The name of my podcast is Time to Level Up, ironically, yeah. <laughs> right? But it's who are you becoming? You know, who's Andrea 5.0? Like, what's yeah. that look like? And again, that's helping you assess what you're thinking and only choosing to keep the thoughts that are working. Like, you can get rid of the thoughts that aren't working. Like, no one said you had to hold on to them. Yeah, I think it's learning that, right? Mm -hmm. I think anybody listening to us, anybody in this space, they're willing to hear that message now. Yep. But probably didn't know that message before. Right. Right. Until you, I mean, we certainly aren't taught this. We should be. But we're certainly not taught in school or as we're being, you know, developed that you're going to have all these limiting beliefs, negative stories, whatever you want to tell yourself that are going around in your head. And, you know, you can just, get rid of them later on. You can. If you, they, don't work, they don't work for you. Like I say, I mean, I was like, is that something you want to keep? Or is that something that you want to get rid of? And if you want to get rid of it, it doesn't mean that you have to replace it with something new right away either. Right? So is it something that you'd buy again? Yeah. Is it a thought yeah. you'd buy again for a vowel? You know, like, well, buy, buy. is it something you'd buy again or not? Right? Is it like outdated? Is it an outdated thought? I love that. Talk about holidays and outdated thoughts. And I think... So the answer, when the answer is no, it's not one I want to keep. What, what's your advice on learning to not have it keep coming back up? Well, it might, right? Because we're human. Yeah. Right. And, and it might. But what you become better at with practice is learning. I like to say to like quiet the little voice in the back of your head and say, thanks so much for reminding me. But the real Marianne is going to do this. Yeah. Or like I would say, will the yeah. real Andrea please stand up? Yeah. And that's that's a, like that's work. Like this is I, this is work worth doing. Yeah. I have a podcast called like the work worth doing. This is the work worth doing because this really this kind of work is what makes your life full, and it kind of is what makes the world go round. So even when I'm working with women on their business, I mean this is work that ties into that. It is not just about like the spreadsheet at all. It's really about mindset and systems, I like to say. But it's the mindset piece is is really the hardest work yeah. that you need to do in order to move forward. It's at the core of everything though. It is. Yeah. Love it. Love it. it love it. Well, this has been fantastic. Before we close, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to get out there or any parting words for folks to remember in this what will be a maybe stressful time for them? I think you get to decide how you want this to go. It is not something that happens to you. Mm. You get to make whatever it is happen. And I think that's a hard thing to remember sometimes. We think things are just happening to us or life is just evolving and it's not within our control. But it is all in your control. And I also want to remind them that it's okay to to create space for yourself to think about this kind of stuff, to get support if you need it. That's not a sign of weakness. I actually think it's a sign of strength that you recognize like, hey, I could make this a whole lot better Yeah, if I had support. And then I guess the last piece is I love like, I mean, I'm kind of like a life, I would say I'm a lifelong learner, but I love listening to podcasts. Of course, I have my own too. So it's clearly I'm into it, but you can listen all you want, but you actually have to start to do something yeah. in order to create change. Like we can be consumers of knowledge and like, oh, that was good. But are you actually putting it into play? Which means like writing the thoughts down, for example, like a thought download, right? That's, uh, but that's where you're going to 
create the traction. That's where you're going to see things evolve. In your head, yes, but you really need to not just be kind of like a passive learner. You have to be an active learner. So sometimes when people say, why is it like, I know all this. I know it all. (laughs) Why is it so hard? Because I know this. Yeah, you do. But have you practiced putting it into action? And what do you need to, how, how can you help yourself do that? So whether it's, you know, having a friend or an accountability partner, a coach, whatever it is, like whatever it is, how can you set yourself up to make some, create some change? Yeah, I love that parting thought because I do think one of the things that we do is do a lot of self-help books and, and talk about that stuff. And to your point, there's podcasts out there, which the good news is, go back, I don't know, the right amount of years, 10 years, whatever, you couldn't get a lot of this information, right? And now there is experts everywhere that you can get for free. I mean, you can get for free. Some people can't afford a coach. Some people can't afford counseling, whatever. You can get a lot of resources for free, but you have to take action. Yeah, like you got to take action. Like I always say in my podcast, like, here's your homework. Yes. Right. Do the homework. Do the homework. (laughs) Do the homework. I mean, you can go listen to all hundred episodes of more than hundred, but, but you got to do the work. Yeah. 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 And you can get all kinds of voices and you can kind of merge the best of the best out there, but you have to be, to your point, you have to be curious and you have to be a student and you have to then do the work. So it's, uh, it's on us at the end of the day. How do we want to show up? I guess. That is totally true. (laughs) Totally true. Well, thank you so much for joining me and I hope we can continue to chat in the future. Thanks for having me. If I can help any of your listeners, feel free to reach out and go take that quiz. You're going to be, you're going to like think, Oh, okay. It's Yep, that's me. And then not just sit with it, like start to work on it. And I will definitely have all the links, including that one in the show notes so people can uh, check those out and find you there. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Message in the Middle with Marianne. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to share it and write a review as it helps bring new listeners to our audience. If you'd like to keep the conversation going between episodes, please join us at Facebook group Message in the Middle with Marianne.